Hello, my name is Sue Ditta, and this is the Electric City Culture Cast. I'm the Executive Director of EC3, that's the Electric City Culture Council, and this program is produced and presented by EC3 through the broadcasting facilities at Trent Radio 92.7 FM on your radio dial in Peterborough, Ontario. This is Eva Fisher, the Program Coordinator for the Electric City Culture Council and the producer of the Electric City Culture Cast. Thank you to Jack Betta of the Kawartha Youth Orchestra for our theme music. This week, I'm thrilled to have with us in the studio Anne White and Lily Ross Millard of Ringo Rosie Collective. These are two of the people involved in one of the city's newest and brightest theatre companies. I had the privilege of seeing their most recent production as part of the Precarious Festival. It was um, a great show at Art Space. Hello, Anne. Hello, Lily. Hi, Sue. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Tell me how long you've been here in Peterborough. So uh, I should add here that the uh, location of our collective is not rooted in one city. So I, uh, this is Anne speaking, I am a resident of Peterborough, and I'm kind of the Peterborough um, side of our triangle. Um, And then uh, Lily currently resides in Toronto, and Miranda, um, our third member who unfortunately can't join us today, actually resides in Montreal. And so we tend to travel from city to city, um, making work and rehearsing where it's possible. Uh, But Peterborough has been a favorite place for us so far in presenting our work. So that's fantastic. We have a Peterborough-Montreal-Toronto triangle happening. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of Ringo Rosie? I know it's called Ringo Rosie Collective, and maybe you can touch a bit on what your collective practice is, what it means, and how does it unfold to bring us such great theatre? These are all such good questions. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, um, we met in Halifax, and we all did our degree there at the University of King's College, Um, And there's quite a vibrant, independent theatre scene there. And we started working together uh, outside of school, actually. Uh, And the first show that we uh, collaborated together on was a show called One, Two, Three, Wojtek, which is something that is coming back um, now, actually. Wojtek, what's Wojtek? I know what it is, but tell our listeners. Wojtek. Wojtek is a play that was written by uh, George Buchner in 1837, which was uncompleted because he died of typhus uh, before he was able to complete it. Uh, and 123 Wojtek is our adaptation of this play. So you've been working together, taking a look at the original play and giving it an original interpretation? Yeah, and that would have been our first project together while we were still in school in Halifax. Um, and that was around the same time we, we were um, training with um, a theatre company called Zupa Theatre Co. that's based in Halifax. And they really influenced uh, the way we work, um, our emphasis on devising work, our emphasis on collective creation. And so all of these ingredients, this kind of crazy strange play that we found really compelling this really inspiring theater company and the unique things that the three of us kind of bring to our creation all sort of came together and that was the early beginnings of the collective and then we kind of dispersed after school to do various things you know to address student debt and some other things Uh, yes and you know in the last few years we've been able to kind of come back together and work again so we're lucky to have you alive and well and debt-free enough, at least, to be making new work. 
<laughs> no typhus. I have seen two of your pieces. You know, one was a big standout um, in the sense that it happened in a house and it was very interactive with the audience. The other one was the recent Neighbor Voisines, which used video brilliantly, I might say, going back to old black and white video and test video. You had some really beautiful graphics on the wall, funking things up and linking the video piece to the live theater performance. And we managed to walk through it. It was a very immersive process at Art Space. Is the collective dedicated to that kind of alternative preservation of theater? Or was that just an accident? Not sitting in a seat watching a play like we're used to. I think that part of that has to do with making theater without much money. Mm -hmm. um, making theater in unusual spaces with what we have. Um, and when that space and uh, when those resources are available. So we take what we can get. Um, and often those spaces are the greatest places for theatre and the most appropriate to a theatrical experience. Yeah, exactly. It's this principle of economy with what we're given and it often um, works to inform other sources and other kinds of yeah, elements that we find interesting that we're able to bring into the space. Um, I think in the case of Neighbours, we were really lucky because um, Miranda, unfortunately, who's not here, she kind of brought the impetus for the show. And um, I think she had always kind of envisioned it in a gallery space. There's something about um, what people what the expect expectations that people bring to a white cube gallery that we thought were kind of fun in the context of this show. Um, and so it was both financially feasible for us to do it at art space uh, but it also yeah was in some ways kind of in our minds when we were proposing this piece for the precarious festival fantastic so tell me a little bit about the name ringo rosie i'm sure the listeners would like to know that uh, what the origin is why you picked it for your collective and maybe you could also talk a little bit just imagine yourselves at the beginning of working on a project Tell people a little bit about how your collective process unfolds. Want to touch on Ring of Rosie? I'd love to, Anne. Um, well, uh, the way that our collective works and the name of our collective uh, can be explained in the same breath, actually. Uh, Ring of Rosie, uh, it makes you think of children's games, and a lot of our work is actually based on very childish games, um, you know, Grandmother's Footsteps or What Time Is It, Mr. Wolf. These are kind of our building blocks. Uh, Ring a Rosie uh, comes from the song Ring Around the Rosie, Pocket Full of Posy, Husha, Husha, We All Fall Down. So it's actually a reference to uh, the plague. So it's a combination of morbid or sinister themes and then something innocent and playful. And so childish. people broke out in those red circle. Yeah, what did they call them? What was the name of... Uh... Pox-like things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pustules. Pustules. <laughs> A lovely topic for the radio show. And then they all fell down because people died in massive numbers and it was turned into a children's nursery song. That's correct. Yeah. So a little twist on things <laughs> leading your collective off. Why did you choose a collective process for production? Um... Part of it would definitely be this influence from this this company that I mentioned in uh, in Halifax, 
and uh, we really liked the dynamic way that they worked and I think um, a big part of of their philosophy, this is Zupa Theatre Co.'s philosophy, is that everybody brings this incredible wealth of creative resources, this creative energy to a project, and that, you know, while there are advantages to a more um, traditional structure of, you know, what what a, an actor does, what a director does, that's in some ways that can kind of really um, hold back a process, and we were really we were really um, excited about the way that um, this company worked and we liked the idea that um, in a process there could be this ongoing and very active relationship between what actors were doing and what a director was doing. Um, and so, I don't know, breaking down those barriers was kind of like a nice way to alter systems of power in certain ways and it also is really um, fostering this like dynamic sense of just proposing things in a room and seeing what happens and that's really exciting. So there's some improv energy there, something that comes from eliminating the top down and the and the borderlines between the different um, positions normally in a theatre company. Do you think you'll keep working that way? Absolutely. I think that's why we're going to keep doing it is that we're helping each other facilitate work that we want to do and that might mean changing hats um, sometimes uh, Anne will be the director sometimes she'll be performer sometimes Miranda will be the director last uh, neighbors and les voisins I was the designer so it's really about helping each other get to where we want to be yeah and I think we all bring different strengths to the process and it's fun to sort of challenge ourselves to like step into different roles and um, I think that we become much stronger as a collective also we can build a sort of empathy with each other if I've been in a performing situation I can start to empathize I think in a better way with Lily when she steps into that role next time hopefully. So the whole process of the play and its presentation benefits from those ongoing relationships and how the relationships shift and change as the process continues, am I right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, totally. And I think a good like a, a good concrete example of the way that we are trying to like level out these roles and and make ourselves all feel like we have equal say over like the creative life of the piece is um in a in a um rehearsal process at the beginning of each day we'll have uh, this period called fundamentals which is about 30 to 45 minutes where we're just getting our bodies and our minds and our voices every kind of uh, creative tool at our disposal going for the day and we rotate who leads those exercises and they're called the day captain so one day Lily might be the day captain and she might bring a whole sort of slew of exercises I love she wants it. to do and then the next day I'll be the day captain and it might feel very different but you get to like again share the these resources it's not like somebody holds all the power which is I, I find really great it's a very sustainable way of creating theater I find that is a great snapshot for the audience of how your process works do you do ever do red leather yellow leather red leather yellow leather <laughs> no but we do um, s uh, sit in solemn silence in a dull dark dock in a pestilential prison, prison with, with a, a lifelong lock, lock. Awaiting the sensation of a short, sharp shock. 
with from a cheap and, and chippy chopper, chopper on a big black block. Ringo Rosie Collective, you are the best in bringing the, some of the best theater we've seen in a long time to the Peterborough scene. Thanks so much. Tell me, is there something coming up next that you can talk about yet? Well, we always have a few things kind of on the go. It's a bit like a wheel. Um, what should we say? Well, okay, so um, uh, a revisitation of the Voidsec project. We're doing something completely new. Right now, the working title is The 21st Century Loves You, Marie. And we actually uh, workshopped it with um, Alternating Currents this August at the Theatre on King. Um, with the help of Aaron Lidster and Kate Story. And uh, we're right now in the process of organizing a follow-up reinvestigation period of the project this spring, hoping to expand the concept, make it more immersive, um, and perhaps finding a way of showing it in a university and creating a site-specific piece set in a university. Yeah, and it would be great to reach out to Trent University. If anyone's listening from Trent University, uh, <laughs> we're, we're coming for you. Um, okay, no, but that hang great. on, hang on, Ringo Rosie. How can they get in touch with you? Um, Is there an email? <laughs> you could email us at ringorosietheatre, uh, and that's theatre in the like Canadian or British spelling. Ringorosietheatre. T-H-E-A-R-T. T R E T R E at the end. Yeah. Thanks. At gmail.com. And okay. it's ring O <laughs> Rosie. And I want to say thank you to both of you. Anne White, Lily Ross Millard, thank you for coming in. It's just great to have you in town and it's been wonderful to have you with us in Studio B on the Electric City Culture Cast. Okay. Good thank luck you with all so your much work. For having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye bye. Next up on the Electric City Culture Cast, we'll be interviewing Ryan Kerr from the Theatre on King. But before we launch into the interview, Ryan Kerr has a trivia question. How many episodes of Pennies from Heaven happened at the Theatre on King? Listen for the answer at the end of the segment. My name is Sue Ditta, and this is the Electric City Culture Cast. We're broadcasting from the facilities of Trent Radio, and you can listen to our show at 92.7 FM on the radio dial. Today, we are thrilled, actually thrilled, chilled, got some goosebumps, because Ryan Kerr, theater engine, is here in the studio with us today. He's laughing at me, but people, it's true. Uh, Ryan is probably best known in town for his work at the Theatre on King, and so much happens at the Theatre on King, it's a little bit, well, it strikes me with awe, for sure. And everybody wants to know who you are, where you came from, how did you get to Peterborough, and what's your background in theatre? So I'm just going to start by saying, how long have you been in Peterborough, and where were you before that? I've been in Peterborough since 1992, and before that, I lived in Scarborough mostly. So Scarborough, really? Anywhere yes. near Kennedy Road in Eglinton? Markham and Lawrence. Yeah. So pretty close. All the best people come from there. Shall we just leave it at that? Let's leave it at that. Okay. So what brought you to Peterborough, Ryan? Uh, I came to Peterborough to go to Trent University, mm -hmm. and uh, I enrolled in 1992. While I was here, in the very first month, I saw a poster for a playwrights competition that the Union Theatre was having, 
Um, I had written a number of plays back in high school that had been produced at the high school, and I had been involved in my um, high school theater program for the five years. And so I entered my one of my plays, and it was one of the two chosen to go on at the Union Theater. And what was the Union Theater? Uh, the Union Theater was a small black box that was located um, on Hunter Street, um, sort of tucked in in a back uh, parking lot there. Um, it was a place where a lot of us uh, got our uh, start here in Peterborough. We got to do a lot of experimentation and do pretty much anything we wanted. Um, collectively run? It was collectively run. Um, a number of us that are still in town, um, um, like Rob Winslow uh, at Fourth Line, he was uh, 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 he got a, a good start there. Myself. Um, Who else? I'm trying to think. Kate Story got, was working there. Brad Brackenridge. Uh, um, Phil Oakley. Okay, so there's lots, a ton of, uh, lots a ton of, of Peterborough's famous theater folks yes. started doing things together at the Union Theater. Yes, absolutely. And it was really interesting a uh, combination of uh, more senior artists and up-and-coming artists. Um, so it was really nice to be able to uh, learn from senior artists, but also um, the senior artists got excited by the, the, the enthusiasm of the youth. So it was a really good combo that way. So did you study theater at Trent, or it's sort of hard to do theater at no, Trent? No, I was. It? I came to Trent to do a history degree. Okay. Um, when I left high school, I didn't think there would be any theater in my future. Um, I just thought that was something you did in high school. <laughs> okay. And so uh, when I came here and got involved in the union, it was actually uh, very refreshing. In fact, the union was smaller than my drama room in high, in high school. So I was actually very surprised that anything went on there ever. And I actually laughed quite a lot when I first saw it. So how many plays did you do through the union? Uh, that's tough. Uh, 40? That many. Maybe, because we were always, you were constantly working on shows. If you were, you were in a show and you were probably rehearsing a show that was going on and then you were directing a show and then you might have been writing a show as well. And so you were constantly just involved. You were never not doing a show, so... And also, that's how the space has to work, right? To stay open. Just to make it happen. It's got to be busy, so. And did you find yourself drawn to acting more than playwriting or producing, or are all of them of interest? Well, all of them are interesting, uh, interested, interesting to me. Um, in high school, I got a, I had a very, um, I, would go, I was very lucky. I had a really good drama teacher who did eight productions a year in high school. Most, produ- most high schools do one. One, yeah. Um, so we would do three short one acts uh, in the fall, and we'd do a Christmas show that toured around to like the public schools for kids. Um, then we'd do the Sears show. Um, my, That's the Sh- Sears Drama the Festival? The Sears Drama Festival. Um, I don't know what it's called now, but... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but our, our high school was really... We always did original shows, and while I was there, we always made it to the finals, and I think they continued to make it to the finals. Right, even after I left, which was great. What high school were you at? Uh, Cedar Bray Collegiate. Ah, Cedar Bray, okay. Yeah, Um, and so then we would do three more one acts at the end of the year. Um, But if you were in one show, the very next show you couldn't act. You had to be a tech. Really interesting. And if you were a tech, you had to try acting on stage so that by the time you were finished five years in high school, you had done stage management, you'd done lighting, you'd done writing, you had done costumes and sewing, you'd done makeup, hair, acting... All of it. It's an incredible way to build your skills. Yes, and it also allows you to um, figure out what you like doing and what you don't like doing. Because a lot of people don't like being on stage. Um, But you need to know what it's like to be on stage as a tech 
to know what those actors are actually going through. What they need. And what they need, mm -hmm. you know. And so you don't, just because they look like they're really needy, it's like, well, they actually need stuff. And it's for a reason, you know. They're not just being Annoying. divas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how long were you with the union? Uh, I, well, I was with the union from 92, 92, 93, till uh, right before it moved, because it moved from there to Dublin Street. That's right. Um, to that funny house. To the funny little weird house, yep. Mm -hmm. um, but then I had moved on to uh, something else. But one of the things about uh, the union, and also because uh, I had all those skills from my high school, I could transfer them to the union. So I could also do lighting, I could also do sound, I could also do all of those things. And eventually the union closed, I think, in 95, I think. Or maybe early 96. Yeah, I think it might have been 96, because I think some of the stuff was... I don't think I know, was smuggled out in the middle of the night and stored in my garage for quite a while. Fantastic. Yeah. But what ended up happening also is uh, through the union and because of my technical skills, I ended up working with uh, Peterborough New Dance, which became Public Energy. And so quite it's often... With Bill Kimball? With Bill Kimball. And so over the years between 96 and 2000, I sort of became his technical director. Mm -hmm. So whenever he was bringing out-of-town shows into town, I was in charge of making sure the lighting got hung and got made sure the dance floors were put down and made sure the shows ran smoothly and I operated the lights for them and all of that sort of stuff. So you're constantly building these layers of skills and working in different genres and exactly. different groups of people. Yep. And then the Theatre on King. And so the Theatre on King came about in 2013 is the first, yeah, it opened in January 2013. Um, I had originally been looking for a space. I'd been always looking for a space for quite a long time because once the union shut down, there was sort of a, 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 a void for a small theater in town. And it was for, a huge loss. Yes, there were no rehearsal spaces and a lot of the actors uh, that were coming up through high school left town to go to university, which is what they should do. Uh, but at the same time, they didn't get any, they didn't get a chance to work here. And get you know work on their chops and stuff. Um, and when PCVS shut down, that also affected the downtown in a major way because so many of the kids just don't come downtown anymore. And they had they played such an important part. Um, and so I was trying to find uh, a way to create a job for myself. And I kind of looked at the skills I had after working with Public Energy, mm -hmm. and then also um, I had worked with Fourth Line. I'd worked with a lot of the other companies in town, and I saw that there was this gap that we sort of needed so I got in touch with um, Erica Cherney who was a dear friend of mine. Tell passed. us who Erica was. Uh, Erica was a powerhouse. Uh, real estate? Real estate. Um, Theater lover? Everything. I mean she was she was part of the DBIA and she ran the PUC for a while and um, or at least she was on the board of the PUC I think. Mm -hmm. She helped open Showplace um, and she was a real theater lover. She really enjoy, enjoyed theater and, and the performing art. She had a space in her building downtown mm -hmm. on King Street um, that was being rented by Linda Cash mm -hmm. and her husband, uh, Paul O'Sullivan. Mm -hmm. um, and it was called the Peterborough Academy for Performing Arts. That's right. And they had been there for a few years. Um, but unfortunately um, and tragically, Paul was passed away in a car accident. And Linda, I ended up talking to Erica. Erica got in touch got me in touch with Linda. We had a chat and um, Linda said, yeah, go ahead, take over the space. So for one year, 
which was the end of her lease. I sort of took over the space and ran it to see as an experiment if anyone wanted to come and see small theater in town, if there was an audience still, um, if there were actors that were still interested in doing small performances as opposed to on the bigger stages like the Guild or uh, Market Hall or Fourth Line or stuff like that, or even the best. Um, and surprisingly, there was. There was an audience that was really um, enthusiastic, small but enthusiastic, and there's a whole whack of uh, young up-and-coming actors that are really excited to be doing all of this new work. So let me sketch a little picture for our listeners of the Theatre on King if they haven't been there. And you're cruising along King Street, uh, just past the corner of um, of, uh, George and King. That's right. And and you turn onto King Street, there's an an alleyway, and you go into a parking lot. That's right. And you hang a left. Yep. And there's a doors, and you open the doors, and there's a little tiny lobby. That's right. And then you go through a curtain. Yep. And we've got a bar on the left. Yep, where we sell some concessions. An incredibly classic black space. Yep. How many people can you see? Um... On any given night, depending on how um, much room is needed for performance, we can sit between 30 and 40 people. Now, I have seen everything from original plays by local artists to um, flamenco dancing That's right. at the Theatre on King. There's improv there. Tell us how you develop the program. How does it come to be? Well, it um, it's always available for rent. If anyone has a show and would like to do a show, please get in touch with me. I'm more than willing to listen. Um, and I'm also willing to help as well. If you've never done a show, I can walk you through it. Um, I've also had some playwright competitions and put on some original local shows, which is fun. It's all about keeping the doors open. Okay. And so the space has to be full all the time. There always has to be something in the space, otherwise the space isn't making any money. And so you just, rent the space? So I rent the space. Um, like the Mandolin Society, for example, rents it every Sunday from 11 till 1 and for most rehearse. of the year. And they rehearse for their big gig that happens in April. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also run um, lighting workshops, stage combat workshops. Um, and I'm also starting to try and uh, incorporate other members of the uh, com- artistic community. For example, Annie Yeager, who is a visual artist. Mm-hmm. I've had her come in and design a lot of my sets now. And it's really exciting to work with someone that's not from the theater and getting um, a new new eyes on old things, which mm-hmm. is great. I've also had, um, I don't really do music in the space just because there are other venues for music and they're, um, unfortunately, they're closing. But um, there was no, I would like a, 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 my space to be more theater oriented mm-hmm. just because that's what I do. Um, what are some of the, there's some fun ones. There's a couple of battles of... Um, well, last night we had a lip sync battle, which was super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing um, every month at the end on the Friday at the end of the month called Settle This Thing with Drew Ansis and Tamara Bick, which is a, a sort of an improv, uh, scripted improv uh, about uh, marital issues, and the, the audience actually solves their issues for them. You're still acting and writing in plays that you you create, and I know you work a lot with Kate Story, yep. with Sue Newman, and yep. Rob Fortin. Yep. Can you tell us about the, your most recent production? Uh, the most recent production Precarious? would have been uh, the Precarious Festival, which ran for the whole month of uh, November, um, which was sort of um, uh, about art and work in the, in, the, in, the, in Peterborough. And we had a big artist survey, and we, got, we worked with a bunch of uh, different organizations. 
And um, the project that we worked on was called Radis Radis, Festivus Radis Radis 2035. And it was sort of a post-apocalyptic Peterborough where most of the population had died. And uh, we were celebrating the fact that we were still alive. And it was all about rats. It was an absolutely spectacular performance. Fantastic music, amazing setup inside the space. One of the things I love the most and I want people to get out and see at the Theatre on King is what Ryan and all the people who work there are able to do with that square black box it never looks the same twice. You are truly a renaissance man and we are so lucky to have you here in town and very, very fortunate to have the theatre on King. If people want to find out more about the incredible programs coming up, where do they find out? Uh, they can find it at my webpage, uh, ttok.ca. Um, you can also find me on Facebook under the Theatre on King. Ticket prices are always very reasonable. Yep, they're usually $10 uh, or pay what you can. Occasionally it's $15, but there's always a pay what you can option because I don't want people to not see art just because they don't have money. If you want to produce a play, if you want to learn about playwriting, check out acting workshops, stagecraft of all kinds, contact the Theatre on King because there's something there for you to do and almost no matter what your taste in theatre is you're going to find something you'll love to see dance, theatre, performance art all at the Theatre on King thanks for coming in thank you for having me how many episodes of Pennies from Heaven happened at the Theatre on King? There were 12 episodes of Pennies from Heaven at the Theatre on King Um, every two weeks for six months we ran a new show that was about 30 pages long that had three or four different choreographic segments and anywhere from 8 to 16 people in every show. And that's all for this week's episode of the Electric City Culture Cast. My name is Sue Ditta, and I'm the executive director of EC3. That's the Electric City Culture Council. We broadcast every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. through the facilities of Trent Radio at 92.7 on your FM dial. The Electric City Culture Council is supported by a number of organizations, and we'd like to say thanks for the generous support from the City of Peterborough, the Ontario Trillium Foundation, the Ontario Arts Council, and Canadian Heritage. We'd also like to thank our board of directors and volunteers and the great people at Trent Radio who made this broadcast possible.